tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. TV, the destination for TV superfans, producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows, interviewing celebrities and showrunners, and bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! means I'm old. <laughs> the Clash. I'm like, how about The Clash? You're like, are they a band? Oh, I know The Clash. I'm thrilled to be here. There's awesome. no place else I would Aww. rather be on a foggy, so... London-y foggy Tuesday. It is a London-y foggy it Tuesday. Is. Well, we're so happy you're here. So After two seasons, we got you in here. We're so excited. I think the fans are probably dying watching on YouTube. Hey, everybody. I will try not to let everyone down. <laughs> I do you have any social media, Mark? No, I have social zero media. social he media. He is unreachable, guys. <laughs> you can't tweet him. <laughs> and I hear about it through friends, and people are like, people are tweeting me, telling me to tell you to get Twitter. Oh, so. I knew the fans are crazy on Twitter for the show. You so. have a hashtag on Twitter. Yeah, I do you have, do. And I, I do. I'll I'll answer questions through the e online uh, right, Twitter. Right, the ask Mark, which right? is kind of nice because there's parameters to it. You know, okay. I'll be here for an hour, I'll answer the questions I can answer, and then I get to go and do whatever the hell I'm going to do. And it's not like, hey, can you, you know, say hello to Brazil? Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, which is nice, I will say hello to Brazil, <laughs> but it just, I don't have to say hello to Brazil Wednesday night at 1130, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Well, ladies, let's introduce ourselves really quick for the final time for season two. Hi, Ooh. I'm Megan Stecker, and you guys can tweet me at Megan Stecker. Fern Rone here, and you can tweet me at Fern Rone. Tracy Profs, and you can tweet me at Tracy ABTV. Mark Schwann, and you cannot tweet me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, I don't even know where to start oh with this episode. God. As everyone can see, I'll hold it up for the camera. This is completely full of notes oh, in the do, back. We do watch the show. <laughs> I know we do watch the show. We've had a few commenters on YouTube say that we don't even watch the show, which is. Is that funny. what they say? Oh, yeah. yeah, there's. That is, that's mean. Right? That's another reason I don't have any social media. Just people are mean online. They are. They, they can be. always be meaner online mm-hmm. than in, in person. Oh, yeah. of course. You oh, know, yeah. obviously. But people will say the, just ruthless things. Mm-hmm. And then when you meet them, they'll always say, well, I wasn't very happy with that. Like, they'll say it nicer. Right. Yeah. But if it's online and they have anonymity, anonymity they'll just like, be brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The keyboard gives people courage. Oh, it yeah. does. <laughs> and I, 
can't handle that heat, so I just stay out of the stay kitchen. Stay away. There we go. That's right. A couple things stuck out to me in this episode as far as um, throwing in Hamlet references a little more than usual. So always with the title, yep. of course. Yep. Um, but this week I caught a murder most foul across the video that Mr. Stewart That's had right. spliced together to try to expose the royal family. That's right. But of course it didn't play, and we saw the king's murder right after instead. Thankfully. Thankfully. <laughs> uh, and then... Um, on the top of King Simon's uh, tomb, you yeah. call it a tomb? Um, the, the quote, the time is out of joint, oh cursed spite that I was ever born to set it right. You know, what's interesting about that is we were scouting locations and we were scouting that cathedral mm-hmm. as a location to, you know, to put King Simon's tomb. And uh, they were selling books in the church. You could just leave some money and take a book. And I found this really old little pocket version of Hamlet in the church. And I opened it up. I was with our first AD, David Crabtree, and I opened it up and I just I just pointed and that was the quote that I pointed to. And I read it to him and I said, We're putting that on King Simon's tomb. And it was it was such a perfect Uh verse for him. And uh, so I found that book in that cathedral and I bought it. And uh, and that's how I found that quote for the wow. Perfect. It's, okay. Sometimes it's, it's better planned, but that time <laughs> it was very random. <laughs> so, but it worked out great. Yeah. And that's um, we you look Hamlet. Uh, we were sort of loosely chasing ghosts of Hamlet, mm-hmm. and there's a, such great material there, and we'll have great titles for years and years. I hope mm-hmm. because um, you know that uh, it's we're all telling the same stories. Mm-hmm. Um, we're telling them in different ways. We're, you know, they're, they're, we contemporize them, but um, it's all these stories about revenge and lust and greed, and you know, all this is it's the same stuff. Unrequited love, and um, so it's nice. It's nice to be in London. It's nice to have nice to have all that architecture and that history. Um, and once in a while, you're in a cathedral and at a book sale, and you get lucky. Yes, yeah, so. that was awesome. Great. I have chills. Yeah. Nice, <laughs> nice little Okay, so I feel like let's do this episode different than all the rest. Normally we kind of try to hash through what happened with everybody and their characters and everything, but since we had you here and we can get all the answers, we've got to take advantage. I think Fern and I have been dying to know, is Price stabbing the king cut and dry? We feel like it's the least cut and dry thing. We're like, there's something going on here. It's not right. There's a lot of clues that this is not just him stabbing the king. I was amused uh, listening to you guys talk about episode nine. Okay. Because you were so, you're like, what are we going to find out about Ted? It can't be that easy. But what I love about the show is y- you can get used to the fact that it's never that easy. So then we can make it that easy and you won't expect it. That's true. You know, you sort of hide things in broad daylight. And um, yes, it was Ted. Ted killed the really? king. Really? Yes. Wait, you guys didn't think we that? Were yeah. We were convinced that there's something going However, on. However, okay. that doesn't mean that there aren't things you don't know yet. Okay. Um, but um, the reason I... It's always been Ted in my mind from day one. Oh, my God. Oh, really? Yeah. That was my next and, question. And the reason that it was Ted... I, I will say this. I came into the writer's room because I have writers who help me, um, and they're very good. Uh, it's a very small writer's room, but some of them were with me at One Tree Hill, and, and some are, are new faces. Um, but they're very dedicated, and they work really hard, and they love the show. And it's uh, we. The, I think the most fun I have is when I'm in the writer's room with the writers, and 
um, you know, it gets absurd and really filthy, and then we find a story eventually. <laughs> but um, sounds like fun. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's not for the the, the weak of spirit. Um, but uh, I went in and I said to them, you know what? I think it's Ted. And they said, why? Why would it be Ted? You know, he's, this is very early on. And I said, because of all the people, everyone else has sort of material gain in mind. Everyone else is trying to get something, like it's a cash grab or a power grab, or everybody's trying to, like, they're greedy or they're, you know, jealous or whatever. I said, but Ted has loss. Like, he has this sort of basic thing where he loved his wife and he lost her. And he feels like, ultimately, you know, the queen said, stop pouting and stop mourning the loss of this woman. Enough. You know, move on. And um, and I think that he was, I'm compelled by a good man who turns bad and makes a lot of mistakes and then can't take them back. You know, you've, you've got the feeling that he was incredibly remorseful of the choices he made, but he knew that he there was no way out. Eventually, like, there was no right answer for Ted. Um, and that's compelling to me. So I, I just love that he had very human reasons to make all those mistakes as opposed to having it be Cyrus who just wanted to be king Mm -hmm. or having it be the queen for, you know, whatever reason. Um, You know, Ted just had, you know, he lost his wife. He felt like her memory was tarnished, um, that they didn't respect uh, the commitment and the service that he had given, um, that he had sent his daughter away and not been around her as she grew up. Um, and as Ophelia said, she always thought there would be someday and they would be a family. And I think Ted carried around this feeling that he had sort of put the king and his career ahead of the, his family. And, you know, kind of as he says to, to Liam in the finale, you know, I called it, you know, retribution, but it was really just revenge. You know, it was really just um, him trying to make that pain go away, and he just made it worse. Mm. So um, there's other things. There's obviously other, you know, mm-hmm. you'll find out other things as we go. But, um, but yeah, it was Ted. So, the same, so did he kill, um, have Robert, call for Robert? Well, you know, or? there's more. Obviously, there's more to learn about that. Okay. Um, okay. And there, but, um, but Liam says in the finale, you know, Dominic yeah. said that it was Ted. Right. Um, uh, obviously, there was, you know, the calls came from inside the palace, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, Ted is Ted was a big part of all that, and then there's there's more as we as we move forward. Fern was wondering about whenever um, Robert's killer, who I guess is not really his killer anymore, would say, "Oh, the calls came from inside the palace." You were saying, how was he so sure they were from the palace? Right. Um, well, you know, he had a major who has since gone missing. Okay. If, if you remember in episode nine with the um, with James Hill and Jasper and Boone all in the alley with yes. the guns drawn, yeah. then they go to the diner and they sit down and um, and Boone says, "Look, my major is missing, and I'm trying really hard not to be the next dead man walking. So I'm trying to figure this out before somebody gets to me. So um, obviously his major had to come to him and say, "I need you to do this. Do you want to do it? Here's the money." You know, it wasn't, Ted didn't do that. Ted didn't go to Boone and say, here's some money, kill somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, it came through the military. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, you know, when you see these crimes, there's always, the masterminds are always never directly responsible. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think uh, the Grand Duchess poisoned the horse. (laughs) I think she she had somebody (laughs) poison the horse. (laughs) So there's always a few steps in between. And um, uh, I think the major... 
you know, Boone was probably close enough to know that those calls were coming to the major from the palace. Mm-hmm. But he never heard the voice. He didn't speak to anyone. He didn't know that part. But he knew that that's where the directive had come from. Wow. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Will we ever get to question the major? Well, that's a good question, okay. and your but your instincts are good. Okay. Oh, oh, you know fair. there are there are some pieces that uh, there's some blanks that are yet this to be filled such in. A puzzle. <laughs> she had really good predictions this year. Like the next week, you would be right, and I would and say last week them. you said <laughs> I know, and you can't even remember. Well done. Since Robert is alive. And you said, I think on The Royal Hangover, that you feel like the show is always going to be centered around Liam and Eleanor. Where does that leave everyone in their rightful place to the throne if Robert does reappear at the palace next season? Again, that's that's a great question. Because if Robert comes back, I mean, he's, you know, first of all, that was a flashback. Some I saw some fans say, he's been on the island lying right, there for dead, two yeah. years <laughs> or whatever. Um <laughs> But he also was a little boy at the beginning of the episode. Right. He wasn't five in the right. beginning of the episode and then on the island. Um, but first of all, will Robert get back to right. the palace? You know, we have to sort of get him back to civilization somehow. Um, but uh, but if he gets back, then he, of course, would be the rightful heir to the throne. Um, now... There are a lot of questions that are, are unanswered yet. We have to uh, establish paternity. Were the kids, uh, are they actually Simon's mm-hmm. kids? Um, and we don't know anything about Robert. We know of Robert, and we know the people's perspective of Robert, but that may we may meet a very different Robert, especially considering what has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, or we may meet Robert and get to know him and love him and want him to be the next king. You know, um, Liam may realize that uh, this is not meant to be for him as much as he tries. Um, so there's there's a lot of story left to tell. And um, I'm really compelled about, you know, I love characters that we know about, but we've not spent any time with them. And, uh, you know, if Robert can find his way into the mix, he's certainly one of those characters where his legend precedes him. But who's the real person? So Robert's father has always been Simon, so we know that. But Liam obviously still up in the air. Or do we? Or do we? Oh, okay. Well, on the royals, anything goes. You can't assume. (laughs) Okay, we'll set Robert aside. How about that? We'll just set Robert aside. And, And we know that the queen wants to establish paternity for Liam. Why do she and Rachel look so shocked when they, uh, open up the tomb? Because Violet is in the tomb. <laughs> what? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, no, seriously. Makes sense. Sense. <laughs> makes sense. Wouldn't you be bummed if I just told you the spoiler? <laughs> I, don't I know. would. Some I would. fans would say, "No, tell us the spoiler." Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's very interesting. I've heard from a lot of people, and it's kind of split. Half the people say she was clearly shocked, and so I don't think he's in there. That's what half the people have said, and the other half said, "Well, no, it just looked like she was like." peering in like Mm -hmm. ooh let's you know we've finally gotten close enough to get our evidence so um i love that it's split i i I obviously love a cliffhanger where there's debate and some people say i used to say this to the writers i was like look if we are split in the writer's room that's probably a good thing Mm -hmm. because if we're all absolutely you know one way or the other it's probably going to make for boring television um but we would have writers say, I don't like him if he makes this choice. Or I don't like him, and I would say, well, that's a scene. Like, that good. Oh. Give a character that point of view, and what becomes of that? Like, if, let's say, um, 
you know, you had a problem with the fact that uh, Eleanor was going to push the button on the phone and send, possibly send, probably send Ted to his death. Exactly. So she jumped right in on that. She's like, eh, and that's another thing. Um, well, you know, somebody said, I'm just not sure. And then that turns into a, the scene with Jasper where she says, if we're successful tomorrow, I'm officially part of the family business. Mm-hmm. And I want him to pay, but I'm not sure. I want to kill him. And I mm-hmm. want to be the one. And then we get to the room and she says, I can do it. I'll do it. And Jasper moves her hand away. And Jasper takes that fall for her and carries that weight and says, I'll, I'll carry this around with me. I don't want you to carry this weight because I know that your heart is conflicted. And it's a very noble, romantic gesture, I think. Um, I don't know if it's romantic, but it's certainly noble. Um, but that that's a scene that comes from dialogue in a writer's room where uh, somebody says, I just, I kind of have a problem with that. And, I, and then we talk about it, and I was like, well, let's, if there's ever any sort of negotiation in our writer's room, I always say, give that negotiation to the characters. Like, uh-huh. find a great scene. Let somebody... And if I disagree with that point of view, then probably the scene will end one way or the other. But at least we'll get some sort of interesting um, back and forth. So. Tracy's very over this felt, scene with Jasper and Eleanor. I mean, you were conflicted, obviously. Yes, obviously. So, I mean, I don't know. It was... Okay, so can we talk... Okay, so is Ted... This is what I really want to know. <laughs> What's up with Ted? <laughs> At the end. Yes. So does he actually, I mean, everyone would assume with thousands of people, like he's obviously murdered. Well, it's interesting. (laughs) It's interesting because the actor who plays Ted, Mm -hmm. you know, the good news is, is the actors want to stay on the show. (laughs) Right. They don't want to die. Right. Um, And I was talking to Oliver, who's a great guy who plays Ted. And he told me his theory about why Ted's alive. Yeah, he's got a whole thing worked out about how in advance. <laughs> oh, I was trying to save his job. Yeah, that's so, so sweet. Ted's alive because he's figured it all out, and he just went in great detail. And I nodded and smiled, and I said, "You're so dead." Oh, <laughs> oh really? But that was just me being snarky and ordinary. Um, I mean, obviously, we we'll, we'll wait and see, but. You gotta figure it's that's and, a tough one to get out uh, yeah. of. Yeah, I'm like maybe he comes back as a ghost. Not, not like. everything. It's, I don't want this to come out weird, but I don't think everything should be a cliffhanger. I no. think you reward fans with some resolution. Yeah. And you and you give them some closure and then you open up new doors mm-hmm. and you start down another path. And I think that the best serialized television is about creating organic obstacles. And then sometimes rewarding fans for their viewership and their investment in your show and giving them closure sometimes and not making everything a riddle. Because at a certain point, then you're dealing with evil twins and you're dealing with, you know, the Martians and you're dealing, you know, you're like clutching at straws because you need everything to be not what it appeared to be. And that's why I said to you guys, I was like, there, part of what this show does well is surprise you. And just when you assume something, you assumed incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And I love that, but I also like to balance it by saying, look, it was Ted. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. we've gone two seasons with this mystery, mm-hmm. and let's close that door, but 
there are other things you didn't know, and those things are going to come up next. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's always going to be evolving. You can't just create obstacles just to create obstacles because you frustrate your audience. Mm-hmm. Right, I was going to ask you. And, they episode, start, and you start feeling like a sucker. You're like, yeah. I invested all my energy in that, and they just lied to me for two seasons or <laughs> whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like that you have to find that balance. And um, it's a long-winded way of me saying we do listen and we do care about our audience and we want to surprise them. I love a show that has a big surprise. It would have broken my heart if it got out that Robert was alive. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I love a show that can end, take you to that beach and go, oh my gosh, I didn't expect that. Um, By the same token, I also want the fans to have some rewards and some closure along the way and say, but trust us, we're going to open up a bunch of new doors and there's going to be all kinds of surprises behind those doors. Because episode seven was so satisfying. Yes. We, we so were like, yes. that was the best episode we like, of my life. Thank you for episode seven. <laughs> yeah. Because you got mm-hmm. answers. Oh yes. my God, yes. it was so satisfying. Finally. I was going to say, did you feel like you were like, we have to give them something now? We've been teasing them too long. You know what's interesting about that episode? Scarlett Lacey wrote that episode. She's new to television. Um, she's not new to television. She was an executive and she wrote some TV movies. But she's new to serialized television. And she wrote episode seven last year, which was the episode where the king was stabbed at the end of the episode okay. and came to the gates. Mm-hmm. And and so I feel like the, the seasons finish very strong. I think both seasons, because we do the work up front, you might argue that the upfront episodes can be a little slow. But I think they're slow because they're going to finish like a freight train mm-hmm. at the end of the season. And so you have to put the work in and you Absolutely. have to put all that, that detail and texture in. I think that's fine. I think that's a satisfying way to make a show. Um, she wrote episode seven, and we talked a great deal about what that episode could be. And we, it really started with, I wanted the queen and Alex, uh, Alex's character, Eleanor, I wanted the queen and Eleanor to have a day together. And we've seen them fight so much, and we've seen them be at odds so much. And it occurred to me that they both had broken hearts. You know, she had been duped by Mandy and Jasper in the episode before and uh, the queen Alistair was alive but had said goodbye like I'm not doing this anymore and so we had these two women both with domineering mothers you know Mm -hmm. and they were in the same place emotionally and I said you know it would be nice if they could spend time together but it can't just be that because we've got we've just introduced Dominique and we know there's this girl out there with the key to the you know the, the medallion And so we started sort of putting it together that way, and it became a very satisfying episode of let's fill in a bunch of blanks so that we can set up the last four episodes and really deal with Ted and paternity. And, you know, there were so many things Mm -hmm. that we had to deal with. Um, I just felt like Seven was the right place to answer some questions. I'm glad you guys liked it. James Lafferty directed that episode. He did Mm -hmm. such a great job. We were blown away. I remember the week before you actually predict, she said, I think Domino is a person. And I think it's something to do with a rival family. And the next week when you those two things are right, I was like, oh my God, burn. You're a psychic now. Did I say that? Oh my God, totally. She's like, I don't remember saying that. I always love it when fans have really good instincts, and then I'm always a little bummed that we didn't trick them. Yeah. But no, I mean, it was such a huge payoff. And for weeks, for the rest of the season, it has been. But Seven was so different to us. I think we're used to the pattern of how the show's normally. It normally is. And then to have so many flashbacks and long moments between the characters was, not, it was we were just blown away by and seven. Th- and then eight never leaves the palace, right? You know, eight yeah. is. Oh, eight. I didn't even think about that. That's yeah. a great yeah. thing. Yeah. You're right. Seven, seven's rarely in the palace. 
Right. Yeah. And yeah. then eight, we never leave the palace, and it's sort of locked down, and it's just our core cast. And I actually directed that episode, and we shot it in six days, where normally we'll shoot an episode in seven days or eight days. Um, but we, and I had I had Dame Joan in that episode, and she had a ton of work to do. And she just, she was a trooper, man. She just showed up. We were a little worried because it was, she had like nine and a half pages to do. (gasps) Normally we'll shoot six pages in a day. Mm -hmm. So that's a day and a half's worth of shooting. And we have to sort of do it all in one day. And, um... And she had to she had to hit Jake who plays Cyrus over the head with the ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the first time she said to me, she said, "Oh, I, I don't think, you know." I said, "Because we can double you. We'll get somebody. You know, we'll have somebody else to do it." She said, "No, I don't. I don't think that I want to do it." And I said, "Well, do you want it?" Like the the vase was really light. You know, it's um. obviously a double and it's made out of wax or something. And I said, "Well, just feel. You know, hold it and stuff." She, I said, "Why don't you try one in rehearsal?" She did it in rehearsal, and I think she loved it so much. <laughs> she probably hit him over the head about a dozen times. Wow. And Jake's just hanging in there, and Elizabeth's <laughs> looking up, the pieces are hitting her, and just kept cracking him over the head, take after take. That's her dynasty days. Yeah, she's yes. fighting with Linda Evans. She's very game. She even saying to me, I think I should have a fight. <laughs> it's so her. It's so I in love her. it. And she, but she did say to me, but I think you'll have to double me. Oh, I said, yes, I think we will. <laughs> I want to fight, but I can't be I in the fight. I think we will. <laughs> I don't think we're going to have Dame Joan getting thrown over couches. Right. And, oh my, God. Yeah. Well, my favorite um, line from that episode was, deal with your homicidal mother. <laughs> like when Liam says that to Helena. I, I did the After Buzz, uh, or the, um, the Royal Hangover show, and I mentioned my mother, because she had texted me about the episode. And so I was. I said, oh, my mom's texting me. And I read a couple of the texts. And then my mom said to me, I don't think people liked that because somebody said something about me on one of those tweets on the bottom. And I said, I don't think so, Mom. So I went back and I watched the episode. I had her on the phone. And it was that line. And she thought that they were Wouldn't saying that know? about her. <laughs> Somebody had tweeted it. Deal with your homicidal mother. mother. Oh my god! Your poor mom. I said, listen, mom. I said, I don't think anyone's calling you homicidal. Not that I know of. But she, she, and she goes, oh well, that makes me feel better. She definitely shouldn't have a Twitter. Yes, exactly. That's so cute. Let's play a quick three-question rapid fire of burning questions from the fans. Um, Eleanor and Jasper holding hands as the crowd. A tax price. Was that an ode to um, Fight Club's final scene? That's a great question. I'm, gosh, I may have subconsciously stolen that. I didn't mean to. I um, just thought it was a great ode to that scene. Like that's it was really, the same. That's really interesting. Um, obviously, I've seen Fight Club, and, and mm-hmm. it's you know amazing. Um, sometimes I think you lift things. You don't even know you're doing it, but something influences you. So it may have. It wasn't intentional. I love that reference, though. Um, for me, it was... I pitched this to this... It's it's pretty amazing how we pretty much make the show we pitch. I'll, I'll, I'll work with the writers for two months, and then I go in and pitch the studio and network and, and literally, essentially talk them through all the episodes in advance of shooting them. And I pitched the all of these moments... Like, after a whole season, sometimes what you find out is what you intended to be episode 10 becomes episode 5 because you've run out of good stuff or you accelerated something and then you, you're you sort of rewriting the end of your series on the fly um, or the end of your season. 
Um, but I pitched that very, you know, Jasper takes her hand as the crowd closes in on Ted. I pitched all of that. And I think the network felt like it was a little small, uh, was their reaction to me. They were like, well, you know, we were expecting something more for them as a as a couple. And I was teasing them because I was like, you want them to start making out? <laughs> like, yeah. like, what do you want? Like, they're, you know, I what I loved about it was that we started them, first episode, they're nefarious towards each other, they're deceptive, there may have been some rape involved, you know, <laughs> we find out later that Jasper was like, I made it up, but it starts off from, mm. I, I drugged you, I raped you, I blackmailed you. That's where they start. Yeah. And, then, and you know, and it's so dark and sexual, and, and I loved that at the end of 20 episodes, that she takes his hand, and that, and we can rebuild them in a way, um, potentially. Um, but <laughs> but it's, so, it's such a chaste, romantic, sweet moment. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's tragic because of what they're watching. But for that couple to end up there after 20 episodes and all they've been through, I really loved it. And I thought I was a little brokenhearted that they didn't love it as much as I did. And sometimes that happens. You know, you pitch your network and studio, and and it's just sort of. It breaks your heart a little bit because you're like, I thought they were gonna love that, and when they don't, it kind of kills you. But oh, I uh, loved but it. the good news is, is they they're they're great to work with. They really are, and I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. And they were like, but if you love it, then then do I that. I was gonna say they still let you, you know because a right? lot of times for a young show, they're like, we don't like that, so let's talk about how we're going to change it, <laughs> and that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I got to tell you, I've been really happy with E. They've been really mm-hmm. good about saying, "Hey, man, this is your show. Just make your show." Well, I thought it was, I think really it was perfect. Scene. Yeah, I had chills. I was like, oh. "Yeah, just I loved the way it you too. shot it from behind mm-hmm. and that whole thing." Yeah, I, I loved it too. And that was the last official. Well, it was the official last day of the season mm-hmm. when we shot that, and it felt really nice. It felt like that's where we should be ending. Awesome. Uh, second burning question from the fans: um, the locket that's given to Cyrus when Violet's personal effects were found in the car was that? Were they both pictures of her in the locket, or were they some her and someone else? Um, those are both pictures of uh, Violet. Okay, and okay. they're both pictures of Keeley, who played Violet. How cute! So they're her. Oh. Real- so yeah. Oh, so okay. I just said to her. You gotta find me some like baby pictures and you know little girl pictures, and she sent us a batch of them, and then we had them fit into the locket, Cute. which was really hard to shoot. I shot that episode, and like the locket's this yeah. big, yeah. and I'm like, Jake, can you turn it on? Like, you can't see the picture. It's like it's so ridiculous how minute minute you get, and you're like, what are we doing with our lives? It's like, it's like no, the light's hitting it too much. Turn it back the other way. Well, it being the Royals, Fern was predicting like, oh, I think the other girl in the in the locket's Penelope. They know what? each other. What I love about you guys <laughs> is that I get story from you because you're like, maybe it wasn't them in the locket, and I'm like, maybe it was. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she was carrying around a locket with two pictures of herself. Well, oh, her grandmother it gave him. it to her. Oh, if you remember, she yeah, was Rudolph at the Happy Christmas Fair. Yes. Do you remember this? Yes. Okay. And she said her grandmother gave her a locket that made everything better, it. and she was going to go get it. So I thought the grandmother probably had carried pictures of her okay. mm-hmm. and just gave her the locket because it said a little inscription on the back. Right. And to, like, make her feel better. And um, so that's what got transferred over. Okay. Well, third burning mm-hmm. question is about jewelry again. <laughs> It's about the diamond earrings. So we saw Eleanor give Helena 
the diamond earrings and said, oh, your mother was wrong about you. But then we see Mr. Hill... Mm-hmm. Were those the same earrings he gave to Jasper to give back now to you guys, Eleanor? Now you guys are the network. <laughs> well, we got very because confused. the network said the same thing. Uh, yeah. We they got were very like, confused. How did these earrings get to James Hill? And I, this, this is like, okay, here's minutia. Like here's sort of off camera minutia. Um, so she left them behind. If you remember, okay, right? The Queen left yes. them. She set them down because, as I read, somebody, uh, somebody posted. Uh, in response to this yeah, whole conversation, yeah. Fans. Yeah. posted yeah. like, I think that she left him behind because she didn't want the Grand Duchess's things. You know, the Grand Duchess sort of held everyone captive a little bit, mm-hmm. emotionally at least. And um, and Eleanor says to her mother, she was wrong about you. She's always telling her diamonds don't look good on you. You know, blah blah blah. And she's like, she was wrong. Take these. I don't want them anymore because Eleanor says to Liam in episode eight, she. She swindled me with diamonds and kind mm-hmm. words and all of those things. Anyway, the queen left them behind. Now, the part you don't see is we know they're Eleanor's. We know the Grand Duchess gave them to Eleanor. So, in my mind, they were given back to her security detail, which is James Hill, mm. because he is her ward. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Here, the diamonds have been left on the banister. They're Princess Eleanor's. Give them to her security detail. They'll get back to her. So that's the piece that we didn't connect because okay. I had so much story to tell that I was right. like, do we really need to know? <laughs> anyway, okay. um, apparently we did need to know. <laughs> so, so that, again, it's sort of minutia, but in my mind, the logic was the diamonds, when located, because the queen left them there, will be given back to Princess Eleanor's security detail because they are, in fact, hers. Mm-hmm. And then he instead gave them to, to Jasper and said, here, I'm going to hook you up. Mm-hmm. You'll have an in. This will give you yeah. a reason to talk to uh-huh. her. <laughs> Take her back the earrings, and you you know you'll have an in. So. I'm gonna be really sad if he turns out to be a bad guy oh next season. Oh my god, we love him. <laughs> We're obsessed with him. He's so handsome. He's too pure, Fern. They're gonna ruin him. <laughs> you like you Jasper? Leave him alone. You no, like James. Jasper? Oh, no, James. James. No, James. Oh, I thought you were James. I'm like, oh, yeah. James, oh, he's oh so sorry. Handsome. That's you I'm know. Like you know what's great? Too. What's great about that again is somebody said this to me about Violet. They said, you know, I just felt like she was, you know, we're going to find out what her true story was and how she was planted and blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, you know what's interesting about a show like this is because, and you guys pointed out earlier about um, Ted, when no one is who they seem and when everyone has a secret past or something that, you know, crops up that you didn't see coming, then you can have a few characters who are what they seem, and that's the surprise. Yeah. You know, the surprise is that they were telling the truth. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And uh, James Hill was created um, because Eleanor lost her father, Mm -hmm. and and she lost her brother in the same year, and they were two people who could be counsel to her and help her through her loud shit show life. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted somebody to come in that was close to her that wasn't trying to sleep with her mm-hmm. and that could be a bit of counsel maybe not incredibly sweet or incredibly emotional although I think James Hill has been very sweet to her but somebody that was consistently knowable and trust and trustworthy mm-hmm. and I like that James Hill is that person and she was trying to guess his past which turned out you know it was a story about his daughter and, and how he came to the palace but I like that she has someone that she can rely on. Now, that doesn't mean next season. I mean, ultimately, he can't just be that mm-hmm. because it's going to get boring. It's very funny. Historically, 
fans will always say to me, why can't you just let them be happy? And then when I let them be happy, they're like, it's boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So there's always a balance. But I think that James Hill's heart is in the right place. It doesn't mean that he won't get leveraged or he won't, you know, be put in a position that he's got to make a decision that she might not approve of or what have you. There's always story to be found. But I think ultimately he's not a character who has this, like, agenda that is malicious or dark or, or something that we don't know, if that makes you feel better. <laughs> Did you always... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, how about everyone get to ask the burning question they have? Oh, okay. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Like, it turns how burning. So Jasper is played by Tom Austin. He's British. So when you were casting him, did you intend to cast a British actor who would be playing an American from Vegas? And is he really an American from Vegas? That That's a great... Those are good questions. You have to pick one of them. No. Yeah. Um, those oh, are I, all burning. Like um, uh, no, I had always intended the storyline that Jasper was in the palace under false pretense and that he actually was an American. Okay. That was always um, planned. But So when we were casting, we were auditioning actors and asking them to do both accents. And um, I loved Tom. Now, in the pilot, if you remember, Jasper shows up very late as her replacement security detail mm-hmm. and then just has the one big scene at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, he meets her in the wine cellar mm-hmm. and he's a bumbling idiot, mm-hmm. conceivably. And then uh, they, go to, um, they go to the club in, in Paris and then she wakes up and he says, ha, 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 I'm not who you thought I was. Well, he was such a small part of the pilot so when you're casting an actor, first you have to convince their agent that they have a much bigger role to play down the line because it's not on the page. Then you have to convince them it's not that big that it should cost so much money yeah. <laughs> because that's the next place they go to. Um, and, um, and then you have to convince the actor, like, there's really good stuff coming. So believe in this character and believe in the fact that it may be a small piece of this episode, but it's a big part of the world. Um, when we met Tom, I just thought he uh, embodied all of that stuff. He could do both accents really well. Although I read online, and I don't read a lot of stuff online, but I read online where someone said, he should just stop doing the British accent because he's not good at it. <laughs> Classic. And, oh and then somebody gosh. wrote, he is British. Right. <laughs> and he's oh. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's well, just his voice. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but uh, the Vegas story is true. Okay. Um, because we had the orphan story right. and we had those. So and there were reasons stories. for all of those stories. Um, but the Vegas story is legitimate. Also, it, it doesn't mean that he came straight from Vegas to the palace. Like, it could be a stop off along the way and there could be other story to be had. But, um, but I think, you know, we've roughed up Jasper a lot. What I love about Jasper, and I love this about, I love this about Nathan Scott on One Tree Hill. Uh, I loved it about Dan, and I love it about the Queen, and maybe even potentially Cyrus. Villains are really watchable and really interesting, and once they're on your side, it's nice to have a villain on your side. Like, it's great to have a bad boy on your side who can be a bad boy, but really good to you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's... Um, we in the in the writers' room we call that relationship porn <laughs> because you got this guy who's seemingly this bad guy and carrying around all these secrets and the weight of the world and he can throw a punch and drink a beer and he's lived all this stuff 
but he's very sweet to you. Right. And, he's, and he's very protective. And you know you're safe because he can take care of you and he can take care of himself. And um, that's a great character. That character has worked for years and years and it will work for years and years. Yeah. Um, you have to pick your spots with how much the relationship can handle. How many times can Jasper continue to screw up mm-hmm. to the point where you're just like, I think he's kind of toxic for her. You know, like there's a there's a point where you you go so so far that it's like this is seeming unhealthy for everybody involved. You're not rooting so, for the relationship right, anymore, right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we want to take Jasper's teeth away and take his you know fierceness away and make him this sort of puppy. Mm-hmm. You know, because I think Jasper's really good at being really bad. It's just maybe it will be in service of our family. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will help them get things that they're after. Maybe it will be. Um, against Cyrus or whatever, uh, what other threat you know shows up. Um, I don't like characters that are always right and always wrong. You see that with Eleanor too. She makes as many mistakes as any character on the show, but you get a sense that she's worth rooting for. And I think that's the same. Uh, I feel the same way about Jasper as well. We love him, Tracy. Okay. Okay. Any questions? <laughs> I really want to talk about Ophelia mm. and like <gasps> the resurfacing of Ophelia. And assuming um, there is, is it going to be like kind of a vengeance thing? Is her and Liam's love story going to continue and pick up? Does she feel bad or is she mad? I, I just, as much as you can tell, will be appreciated. <laughs> well, I respect that burning question. <laughs> That one one is really burning. Uh, No, uh, first of all, uh, I love Merritt, and she's she was incredibly well liked. It was it was hard to not have her around. The cast and crew enjoy her very much, as do I. Um, I'll tell you where that storyline sort of took a left turn for me was I didn't want it to be too easy. I didn't want it to be like oh, there's this girl who's the daughter of the help, and they just fall in love and it's fine. Everything works out. And it's just, I felt like I was writing a story that I had seen before and that it was very archaic. Now, the danger in that, and I, I trust me, I know the, there are a lot of fans of that relationship because they were asked to believe in that relationship. Like, when you drop into a pilot, which is about these two characters meeting, sort of Romeo and Juliet style, you've been asked to invest in that relationship. Now, you may not like that relationship. You may not like the characters or, or what they're doing or... Um, or their chemistry or what have you. But some people will because we've asked them to. And I think what made the show a little different and what surprised the audience was my point of view that, let's be honest, if this guy was a playboy before we met him, and if he was dealing with all of these things, the loss of his father, the loss of his brother, the weight of the world on his shoulders where he's next in line to inherit the throne... That he probably wouldn't be an outstanding boyfriend mm-hmm. in those moments, and she shouldn't put her life on hold and wait around for him to get his shit together. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that it was sort of a contemporary story that you don't see in television a lot, because in television we go, here's our stars, they'll be here, right. you're going to get to know them, you'll be comfortable enough to know they'll always be here, nothing's going to happen to them. And, you know, you watch other shows on television and a star gets killed or what have you and you're like whoa because you've been conditioned to not expect that like you're not gonna kill this he's the star so um i felt like it was a story that was had a little more legitimacy the fact that maybe it's not going to work out and maybe 
I mean, he does look her in the eye and very sincerely say, I'll see you someday. Mm -hmm. And I like to believe in that someday. I think that he genuinely meant it when he said it. Whether or not they get back to it, I don't know. I'm not sure because I, I think it's unfair to Ophelia to say, just wait. You just sit and wait and pine and wait to hit for him to get it together and then he'll come back and get you. It feels very archaic to me. It feels sort of anti-girl somehow. And um, I loved that she moved on to Nick mm-hmm. and that we didn't expect Nick to be there. And when he walked in, you're like, why not? Mm-hmm. You know, this guy was really good to her and he was handsome and he wanted her. And why not? I mean, she could be incredibly happy for the rest of her life with Nick. Um, we didn't set it up that way. But I kind of like that it felt very human to me. Um, That's not to say that we won't go back to that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that we will. Um, It's kind of like life where they may find their way back to each other at some point or they may not. And um, that may be a frustrating answer, but I think... It is frustrating, Mark. But I think it's... (laughs) Very frustrating. But what I love is I think it it somehow feels legitimate to me as opposed to... Um, now we're going to have her back and now they're going to work through their stuff and she's going to say, you left me hanging and, you know, and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's so familiar. Sometimes it's familiar because it's the right thing to do <laughs> and it's what the audience wants. Expects or wants, you know? yeah. Um, and trust me, I, I do see the love for Ophelia and Liam and I knew that this was maybe potentially not going to be a popular decision. Um, but ultimately I think we got interesting story out of it and, um, you know, now, personally, if Ted is gone, and I think he is. <laughs> um, there you go, loyal. I don't know if Ophelia ever wants to come back to that environment, or maybe it's to. only right. Yeah. That, you know, like, it could go any of a number of ways. I know that's a frustrating answer. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I won't sleep tonight, but thank you. <laughs> wow, that was a good one. Um, let's see. Mm, when does season three start filming? Um, I feel bad that I've been talking so much. No, we no, love I it. mean, that's why you're that's here. That's why we're here. We talk and all the time. The last question, we have to wrap up, so we just want to know right. when all the fun starts all over. Good. Well, I talked all the way through this. Good. <laughs> um, liked uh, season three will start, uh, the writers will start in, like, mid-March, and uh, we'll do about two months' worth of work in the writers' room, and then we'll pitch what we would like to do. Um, and then uh, I'll go to London in mid-May, um, and the show starts shooting in like early to mid June. All right. And then we'll shoot through the summer. The actors show up in June. They leave in like September. I stay until almost Thanksgiving with post and editing. And it's a nice, it's a nice, um, it's a nice run for me because I get the best weather in London mm-hmm. yeah. from mid May to right about the time it gets a little cold and rainy. And then I come back here and get the best weather in L.A. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Win-win. Uh, it's, it's a nice gig. And I, I, I've i talked a lot, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I appreciate um, not only you guys being inside the show and talking about the show, but the fans being inside the show. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's nice. It's very rare. I had a show that had a very loyal, faithful audience that loved it. And it's a wonderful thing. And we have a similar uh, environment here. It's not the same, of course. Um, but it's uh, we have a really good uh, fan base of people who love the show, and I, I think that's um, it's very humbling and, and, and it's not taken for granted. Aww. Well, thank very you for nice. joining. Yeah, we're humbled by you so being much. here. Yeah. To be honest, it's been so. fun. All right, fans. Well, 
Don't be too sad. Next year we've got a, well, Ted probably dead, as we heard from Mark, but we don't know where the king's bones are. We don't know what's going on with Jasper and Eleanor. Robert's alive. Cyrus's baby's on the lamb. I don't know. We got a lot to look forward to, guys. Tracy, so where, can we, <laughs> where can we find you on you social media? You guys can media? find me on Instagram at T-R-A-C-I-P-R-O or on Twitter at T-R-A-C-I-A-B-T-V. Fern Renee here. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Fern Renee. And guys, you can find me, Megan Stecker, on Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter. It's all at Megan Stecker. It's M-E-G-A-N-S-T-E-C-H-E-R. That's it for season two for the Royals after show here at After Buzz TV. But we are looking forward to season three in the fall. Thanks, guys. Bye. Yay! Thank you, Mark. <laughs> you can find me with... From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Just I could tell anecdotes and anecdotes, and it's yeah. like, you didn't tell us anything. No. Yeah. Totally you know, so you guys... The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.